0: By Rebecca Spencer. That's a wonderful goal. And Rear Percival from almost the halfway line.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to N17 Women, the only podcast exclusively dedicated to covering Tottenham Hotspur Women. You know, I keep thinking someday we're not going to be able to say that anymore, and honestly, I think we'd all be celebrating. It would be the best to have multiple pods covering the team, like offering different perspectives and all that. Anyway, today we have two games to cover, one pretty good and one not so good. As usual, I have Rachel, Caroline, and Sean here with me to discuss them. Caroline and I are coming off of a holiday week, and Rachel and Sean are coming off of a nice long coach trip back from Manchester. So how are you guys feeling? Yeah, I've been
0: really tired today. Um,
1: (laughs) I had to start quite early in the morning and I
0: hadn't got back to London until about two o'clock. Well, back home until two o'clock last night. So, yeah, that with the result has been a long day.
2: Well, yes, I too got home about two o'clock in the morning, um, but somewhat sensibly had taken the morning off work. So I was able to get my sleep. So I'm all right. um, Apart from the, you know, horribleness of the football.
3: I did have a nice holiday week up until, you know, the football on Sunday.
1: Sounds about right. It sounds about right. All right. Well, let's talk about Bristol first. Um, We faced Bristol City at home in the Cup. We won that game 3-0 thanks to a Rosella-Ian brace and a kick Graham penalty that Roz also won. But let's start at the beginning. So, Villaham put out a pretty rotated side for that game. Uh, That may be an understatement, in fact. Uh, Barbara Votikova started in goal behind a center back pairing of Shalina Zdorski and Amy Turner. Izmita and Gracie flanked them as fullbacks. We also had Kit, Ramona, and Rhea in midfield with, I think, Kit playing the farthest forward. Rosella and Zhang Linian took up the wings. And then we had just as up top. So what did you all make of that rotated lineup?
2: well i think i was a bit i was a bit concerned i have to say um initially that this was going to be a bit of a banana skin for us after i think um bristol city becoming better uh, over recent games and um just seeming to be the sort of thing that spurs would do uh, but then bristol city yeah did have a have a rotated side as well and ended up being fine so uh, i think we yeah i was a bit nervous about the about the lineup when i first saw it having i think seen what happened to the men at the beginning of the season although I know we've done it before and not had the same result as them but I think this was a bit of a bigger task in Bristol City than we were facing with Reading but it worked out all right in the end but I was a bit nervous.
0: Yeah I think I was more confident that Bristol City would also rotate so I was more happy maybe than Sean was when I saw it and I think it's important given Well, up until now, we're getting some more injuries, but we've had a pretty consistent starting lineup and for other players to get opportunities and to, you know, just also remain content at the club, they need to get game time. So I think it was good to have had that amount of rotation. There were players in positions I didn't know they played and that was interesting and it got more interesting as the game went on, but overall, yeah, happy.
3: Yeah, I think that if I were... You know, looking at this lineup and our lineup for the weekend game, this would have been the one where I was like, oh, we might be underestimating our opponent here. (laughs) Didn't turn out that way, of course, but it was good to see uh, some players that, you know, we just, we really just want to see more of because they've barely played in a Spurs shirt, obviously Zhang Linyan being one of them, but also Ramona Petzelberger, you know, we've, she's been with the club for over a year now and we've hardly seen her play. So I was kind of excited to see what she could offer. And it's it's also good, I think, for the defensive, uh, you know, kind of squad players to get some solid minutes because you never want them to have to be called upon. But, um, you know, as we saw in the, the other game, sometimes you do need a defensive substitution. So I think it was good for them to get some quality minutes.
1: Yeah, I have to admit, I was like, I, I was really happy to see every name on that team sheet but I was a little worried it would be one of those things where like they're all fine players but they're just not used to playing together um but yeah um that obviously ended up not really being the case that was good to see so yeah it did um turn out that Bristol City put out a, a fairly rotated side as well which, you'll recall last week, we did expect that due to the fact that they absolutely have to focus on the league in order to stay up this year. Spurs struck first at around 17 minutes when Shalina played a gorgeous ball over the top to Brazella. Roz carried it into the box and was yanked down by a Bristol City player. Kit took the resulting penalty uh, and slotted it home. Roz added another goal 10 minutes later when she and Jess combined to press Bristol City's back line and keeper. Jess forced the keeper into an error, error, and Roz picked up the resulting loose pass and finished that off. She completed her brace in the second half, getting on the end of a lovely sequence of central through balls from Rhea, Kit, and Ramona. And that was enough for a fairly comfortable win. So in terms of substitutions in that game, we saw Celine and Ash come on for Esmida and Linyan in the 55th minute, which is maybe a bit of foreshadowing for Sunday's starting lineup against City. We also saw Angerad James step on for just in the 70th minute. Angerad went to central mid and Ramona went out to the left wing. We also got a debut in the 78th minute. For Millie Bowden, who came on for Gracie Purse, we absolutely love to see that. I believe Millie joined us from West Ham's Academy this summer, and she's actually been called up for Australia's U20s already. And fun fact, because I think we need it on a day like today, I believe if I'm reading correctly, that Millie Bowden uh, won an Australian U13 championship for race walking. So very, very interesting. Love to see it. But back to the game. This game may not necessarily tell us a whole lot, but it did showcase some players we don't usually get to see start, as we mentioned. So what did you all make of some of those performances?
3: I think I was really just happy to see kind of across the whole board consistency, and also it didn't feel like there was a big drop-off from what we've seen from the usual starting eleven. So, you know, I, I think I saw a lot of people on Twitter and other places kind of describing this as a very straightforward win. And I would have to agree with that. Like they they got the business done um, and kind of showcase some of the, the game principles that we've gotten used to seeing. So that was really good to see. Um, and it was great to see Rosella have kind of a standout performance because, you know, she doesn't often get the chance to shine like that. Um, also interesting to see you know, kind of that chemistry between her and Shalina showing up on the pitch, ironically. Um, but I thought, you know, she really did have a great game and um, it's, it's kind of weird to think of it, but she's, you know, one of the longest tenured players in the squad at this point. So I think it was good to have a player like her kind of up top um, as part of that forward line, kind of, kind of leading the rest of the team as well.
2: Yeah, I think Rosin and she, uh, there's definitely some thawing going on uh, between the two of them in recent times. And um, last season, we'd see a lot. Shalina passing the ball up to uh, Roz this season. We've hardly seen it at all. And this, it was great to see it working in this game. Um, I thought I thought we proved that Jeff Jess is, is not a striker. She is not a top-top top player again. I think she struggled in this game. Um, and, and a lot of that was about her playing out of position she didn't have the opportunity really to run at players in the way that she likes to. So um, that was interesting. I, th- I thought Grace uh, Pierce was not the player that we've seen her before in previous games. I felt she didn't have a great game. Uh, and uh, um, she was taken off in the second half, which I guess reflects that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's difficult, isn't it? It's a, It was a weakened Bristol City side. It was a side that we should have had um, a, an easy win over, and we did. But um, you're not going to be able to tell much about where we are as a team playing Bristol City's B team, really.
0: Yeah, I think, like you said, Abby, there was foreshadowing in this game. So after the game, well, almost as soon as I saw Robert Villaham taking off Asmita and Lin Yang Zhang, both of whom I thought had really good first halves in this game, it looked like he was probably saving them for the weekend, which it turned out he was doing because it didn't seem a logical reason to be giving Ash or Celine minutes in the game. Um, I, yeah, Roz had a good game. She loves the Conti Cup. You know, if we could have a player on contract to only ever play the Conti Cup, Roz is the player. Um, she has been very productive in it over the years, and it's good to see that she's still doing it. And she really should have had a hat trick, because if there's anyone that we would trust to slot a penalty home, it's Roz. And since she'd won the penalty, it was a bit surprising that she didn't have the opportunity to take it, in which case she would have had that hat-trick. I think, like Sean said, I thought Grace was poor. Uh, You know, in a relatively easy game, she pretty much passed backwards the entire time, wasn't creative. And we're going to get to it later, but I would not be at all surprised to see her going out in January. Um, I don't think she was necessarily taken off for that. I think she was taken off to give Millie Bouton some minutes and that's great. It was at that point in the game when things were so chaos that we put Celine into right back and nobody really cared because she wasn't doing a whole lot of defending anyway. Um, I the Other players, you know, it was nice that Amy and Shalina both had decent games. They haven't had a lot of minutes. And I thought both of them, you know, Shalina made some nice passes, not just the <laughs> ball over the top. And Amy had put some tackles in and, you know, there was a couple of defensive moments where she really was the person who kept the clean sheet, um, not always been her biggest fan, but she was decent and it was nice to see her captain. I think she has that, you know, captain's vibe. <laughs> I think she probably does that really well. And I think there was also, you know, worth saying about Ramona is she definitely started really nervy. You could tell she was like, I haven't been playing a lot of football, but, And she isn't the fastest player. Like she seems to do things quite slowly, but she also found really good space with her passing. And so she, yeah, she was creative, especially in the second half. And that was really good to see because it was her first ever 90 minutes for the club.
1: Yeah, all good stuff. Any other final takeaways from that game? Well, I think it's
3: great that we have been able to keep clean sheets in both of these games in the cup. Um, Our goal difference is looking really good and that could end up being important when it comes to, you know, actually advancing to the next round Um, because we have the two away games still to come, one of which is Arsenal, which is going to be, you know, obviously very tricky to get
0: points out of.
3: So that that really could come in handy.
0: And I think I've worked out that as far as the Conti Cup group thing goes, basically it's the top team goes through and then the two Best runners up from all of the different groups. And if we win one and lose one of our next two games, then we will probably go through. There's a whole lot of conditionals there, but unless there are second place teams that don't lose any games, we will probably be the best second place team or one of the two best. But it's a bit complicated. So I can't 100% guarantee that, but it looks like we're in a pretty good position here, even if we lose one of our two games.
1: All right. Yeah, that's something to hang your hat on. Um, but unfortunately, we do have to now move on to the Manchester City game. I don't know why it's always me who gets these kinds of games. Uh, I also had the 4 nothing loss to Arsenal last year and the Rianne sacking, although I did actually volunteer for that one. So maybe I shouldn't be complaining. I don't want to cover all the goals in excruciating detail, partially because I don't really want to live seven goals and neither do you but also because I think there are more important things to talk about around this game. So yeah, we'll start off with that lineup. It was much closer to our typical league lineup than the cup, obviously, but with Olga and Drew still out injured, Robert is still tweaking things. So the main additions of course, were Esmita coming in for Angerad at right back um, with Angerad moving into midfield in place of Rhea from last week. And, Zhang Linyan got her first start. I I think it was her first start anyway in the league. um, Ahead of Jess Nass and let's also say Kate Graham, who likely would have played centrally had Grace Clinton started on the wing. Martha, Selene, Ash, Evelina, and the center backs all retained their usual positions. So coming off of Bristol City and some new and exciting performances in that game, how did you feel when you saw that lineup for City?
3: Well, obviously I was happy to see Asmita getting a start. I felt like she had, you know, worked her way up to that position. And when it comes to Linyan, you know, it's that was kind of the wild card choice out of this lineup. But I think we'd liked what we had seen from her in the Cup game so far. So it was kind of like, you know, why not give her a chance? I feel like Jess has had kind of a couple of rough games now, so it made sense to try something new. It's just when you compare our lineup to the lineup of Manchester City, it's obviously like there's no other way to put it, but just a a huge drop off. Um, So I can't say that I was feeling confident (laughs) and well, with good reason.
0: Yeah, same. I don't think I was complaining about the lineup. I was really excited to see, you know, we we all said it would be nice to see Azmita giving a try at, um, right back, given that we were going to be playing a team that was very strong on wingers, and we thought maybe she could put in some more tackles than we thought than Angered is likely to do. Um, and Linianjan was probably the brightest, one of the brightest players in the Bristol City game, and we've been waiting to see whether she would be better at holding the ball, and that was obviously going to be a premium in this game. And like Caroline, when I saw the Manchester City lineup, I did just laugh. Are you just looking at it and thinking? Yeah, they're really good. If they play as well as they could, it's going to be painful. But, you know, you go in with hope.
2: I mean, I do think Manchester City have been really uh, inconsistent this season. Of course, they lost on penalties in the Conti Cup midweek. So I wasn't um, completely thinking we had no chance in this game. Um, They are, you know, lack of consistency. We could have come into it, uh, you know, with a bit of a different side and changed things up and and been a bit surprising for them that wasn't the case um i think because we don't know much about the players who were coming in uh you know because we've had such a consistent starting 11 when we're forced to make changes it is a bit of a trusting in Robert's situation and trusting in the decisions that he's making when you see that line up and just hoping that they can do uh, you know, and with Asmita, as we've as we've all said, you know, we were hoping she'd get us a start so we could see. Um, we've already commented in this pod this season that we've had three managers who haven't seen her as a starter, and we haven't seen why really. Um, so nice to see her getting a start. It was always going to be a tough game for her to be starting in, and I think it proved that. Um, but yeah. Um, I, I wasn't, I was fairly zen about it beforehand, I think. Um, just not knowing what, what kind of performance city we're going to put in and us being a little bit um, wild cardy
1: Yeah, I mean, these days with the injuries, it's it's hard to have all too many expectations about the lineup for a game like this. So I kind of saw it and was like, yep, that's a lineup. That's, that is, um, those are options you can put there and I'm excited to see them because they're new. I think in our last episode,
3: we had thought that Drew Spence was going to be back for, in time for this game. And obviously, we've got some hindsight now. But I think even just looking at the starting lineup, it felt like Drew not making the Match Day squad was going to be a big loss. And I think that played out in terms of we never really got a foothold in the midfield at all in this game.
0: Yeah, yeah. if you think about that was, you know, with it's Drew and Olga and they were replaced with Angered and grace and they're just very different kinds of players and we are a weaker team overall especially in this kind of game with them
3: i mean literally weaker i feel like physicality is a big big thing with olga and drew absolutely um, yeah that we did not see yeah
0: because i almost thought that he robert might play martha back in the 10 again just to get that physicality in this game but yeah
1: Yeah, in terms of physicality and in terms of confidence, I think I noticed like huge difference in confidence on the ball between the two sides. And I think Drew and Olga are two players who are incredibly confident on the ball um, under pretty much all circumstances. So I am going to talk about the goals a little bit now, just because I think there is some important takeaways from them. Uh, So after a pretty tentative start to the first half, I thought it wasn't too bad, to be honest. But, you know, I was ultimately proving wrong because Buddy Shaw decided to make herself known not too long after the half started. And after that, it quickly became pretty clear that although we were trying to attack and control the ball, as we just discussed, Man City were simply stronger and better and more confident than us all over the pitch. Bunny hit us with another hat trick, which is like, come on, really? We already used the Bunny came, Bunny Shaw, Bunny conquered as the pod title. And now we are going to have to think of something totally different. So um, I can't believe she did that to us twice. And of course, they were all very classic Bunny Shaw goals. City created danger on the wing, or at least just inside the wing for one of them, and then found Bunny in space in the box. She finished the first two with her head and then the second or the sorry, the third she took with her feet. Each time our defenders were flat footed and panicking around her and totally unable to cope. So, in your guys' opinion, was this just a typical ruthless performance from that horrifying city attack? Or was there anything we could have done better to prevent how that first half went down?
2: I mean, I think they spotted our weakness and they came down that right-hand side purposefully, and that's where they came from. Um, There's a reason for that. Uh, I think they even swapped some players early on in the game to make that the side they were coming down. And again, it's that Céline-Azmeta juncture, isn't it, down on the right side. We know when they play together, it's a little bit less steady in defence. Uh, and although Celine is getting better with defensively she's you know she's not a defensive player and she was the one who seemed to be trying to stop the cross coming on one or two occasions as Mita wasn't even there um, so yeah did, did feel to me like we should you know we could have predicted that that was where it was going to happen we've seen that before um, and then just Bunny getting far too much space I mean how many players stood around her um, not you know not get, not seeing her run Um So, yes, Bunny's very good, but as you said, (laughs) we've seen it before. We know what she does, and every time it felt like there was nobody uh, close to her.
0: Uh, I mean, Bunny, sure, this is like her 7th, 8th and ninth goals against us in about four games or something ridiculous like that. She scores and she scores and she scores against us, and she scores a lot of headers against us. And I guess what was frustrating is both of the headers she got in between our two centre-backs. It was just painful and yeah it's about the cross getting in but it is also about how much space and time she had to get the perfect header that we know that she can do and the fact that she you know her runs weren't being in any way really disturbed and I think it's also that thing about having You know, it is the right-hand side. It's also our centre mids perhaps not being quite as in tune. So we kept on seeing Evelina like running to try and make a block against whoever was crossing the ball in. And I think usually Olga's been playing on that side of the midfield. And I don't know if I couldn't even tell and I haven't had time to watch it all back, whether she was always on that side in this game or if she was trying to cover that side as well. Um, So, yeah, it just felt slightly chaotic and disorganized in that part of the pitch and because we've been reasonably good defensively um up until this point well and I think it's it's frustrating
3: because you know not only do City have one of the best strikers in the league you know if not the world they really don't have like a weak spot in their lineup so it's not just that our defense was occupied with her But they also had, you know, some really talented midfielders right behind them that they had to deal with as well. And I think, like you said, Rachel, that just leads to it feeling very disorganized. Um, And we know that Bunny Shaw is someone who's really smart with her movement. So it, you know, we we all joke and say that Bunny Shaw is inevitable, but like she truly is. Um, So I think the only way you can realistically stop her is hope that she's injured and can't play
0: in the first place. But she is against us, isn't she? She hasn't been scoring that many goals this season. And I mean, obviously she probably sees it's Tottenham and be, is gets like, you know, mouthwatering <laughs> at the prospect because she just has had so much success against us. Um, and I don't know. I mean, this is the second game in a row that Luana hasn't been great. And it's come after that period where she was slightly injured. Again, I don't know if... I don't know what it is at all, but yeah, the centre-back pairing didn't seem as smooth this time as previously. Well, and that also has kind of, I
3: think, contributed to the the large scoreline because we didn't do a good job of playing out of the back in this game. We didn't do a good job of maintaining possession. So it felt like we were just constantly under pressure uh, from City's attack. So it's, you know, it's kind of a domino effect when you have kind of the the spine of the team is just not not in sync not feeling confident and everything just kind of collapses from there
0: and because one of the things i noticed is harsh had done some analysis before the game of becky spencer's goal kicks versus um kiara keating's goal kicks and shown that becky's were usually the shortest and kiara's keating's pretty much the longest in the league but we actually saw becky kicking the ball quite far and you know we aren't a team that is good at receiving long balls and we don't win headers very often and so it's it it felt like a sign of things going a bit wrong that she started to do this relatively early in the game because that hasn't been how we've been playing and I don't know if it's that you know is that cause and effect was it already that the playing out from the back wasn't working was she panicking what was going on
1: yeah, I like it's interesting, like coming back to that headers thing as well. Cause it's like I found myself thinking about this, watching all those goals that funny Shaw scored of like balls arriving in the air to the box. Um, and just everyone's body position being so wrong and like seeing that all over the pitch, even on the goal kicks as well. I just don't understand how this isn't something we're working on because it's like like at least for the goals, all those balls, like they weren't even that high in the air. Two of them were at chest level. And you're telling me that not one of our defenders or midfielders could have positioned their body or like, you know, move their feet a little faster to get their body in front of that ball before it even got to Bunny. Like, I just don't understand how we can be so flat-footed. And same thing I was saying last week about the set pieces. Um, I just, it is baffling to me. And I think, like, I noticed as well, like, I thought that in the beginning, our press looked pretty good, uh, like, obviously not as good as Cities, but it still looked pretty good. City's press looked incredible, and I think that's what made uh, Becky and the backline panic and stop trying to play out the back, because they were pressing so high, so early, and so successfully. Uh, I think they really, like, disrupted at least our transition. Um, yeah. And I think I had one more thing to add and now I can't remember what it is. So um, let's just move on to halftime then. <laughs> so I imagine we were all feeling a little differently about that starting lineup by the time halftime rolled around. Um, and Wilhelm himself made a halftime change, pulling Chang Lin Yan for Rosella Ian. So um, what did you think of that change? And would you have preferred a different change or none at all? I don't know if this is, again, just
0: the perspective of being at the game and not seeing the space in the same way. But also, I guess the interesting thing is Robert Villaham was on the side of the pitch that was on the left hand side of the pitch. So he was watching closely. Ash Neville and um, Zhang Yan. And so maybe he was seeing very close up what she was doing because it was like right in front of him. Um, but I didn't feel like that was where the main problem was. It wasn't that we weren't nas- necessarily having a lot of success down that wing, but she was doing it like her and Ash were doubling up and were winning the ball back reasonably well at certain points. And they were at least collectively stopping Chloe Kelly from being very actively engaged in the game. So I, I don't know. I was a little surprised. I didn't even, I think I didn't miss the announcement as well. And then next thing I know, I was going 23. Oh, Oh, Ros is on the pitch. Okay. Right. And, and obviously when, and then she was on the pitch and I guess, you know, we've said before that the link up between Ros and Ash Neville is not necessarily the most fluid. So, I was, you know, I was ambivalent. And I guess I was also wondering, and you were just asked, what you were talking earlier about the Bristol City game. Obviously, we saw Asmita Ale and Lin Zhang on the same side. And they were linking up really well. And one of the things I remember Robert Villaham saying one of his things is that he often played the starters against the um sub, you know, like the the non-starters, I guess, in training. And it actually seemed like in that game, the two of them had better connection than either Ash and Lin Yang Zhang or Ash and Roz. And so it's that weird thing as well about like bringing players on when somebody's underperforming and who to bring on, but also um, what that's going to do. And I guess I just, I wasn't convinced that Roz is the player you bring on when you're having defensive problems and problems keeping the ball. She obviously provides speed and she did, she was fine. I mean, as fine as anyone was, which is not very fine. But yeah. It didn't I, I couldn't work out what problem he was solving with her.
3: Yeah. I I mean, I get your point about that wasn't necessarily the largest problem to address, but I do think it was a problem because at least from the perspective of watching at home, it felt like I mean, obviously you can't fault Linyan for her effort. Like she was working very hard I think it was just a simple matter of being like physically outmatched um, in her matchup so it it I I kind of liked the sub because I feel like again Roz has a little bit more experience and you know the mentality side of it you know she might be able to handle it a little bit better um, and I do think like as the game went on she played well but the other thing is that I, I felt like that didn't need to be the only change. And I thought Robert was a little slow to make further changes because um, it was very clear. It was not going our way. And it was a situation where, you know, I I get that we want to maintain the same style of play, but we probably needed some fresh legs to do that because it, it looked like it was going to get worse and it did get worse. So, yeah, I think it was, you know, not the biggest issue and also not the the only issue <laughs> that needed to be addressed.
2: Yeah, and I suspect with Linan as well, you know, she hasn't had a huge number of minutes for us and playing in that game is uh, gonna be exhausting. So it might have been a just a physical condition for her at half time. Um I think the stadium announcer didn't announce the substitution till we were playing in the second half, um, which is why we were all a bit like, What what's going there's a change? Um so yeah, it, it took us a while to notice and then therefore we don't have too much time to kind of consider that. But um yeah i think i, I think make the ch- you know it was a bit of a makeshift lineup with makeshift changes as well um maybe i know jess hasn't been having um as good a few games as she might have been but she can be a bit more physical on the ball she can be that kind of wing presence um that might have been better than Roz um at that stage um generally speaking i think she's she's better than ros is um so that might have been my choice rather than Roz um but yeah I mean three nil down you've got to start making some changes if you don't want to end up being a lot less down and we didn't do that I guess it's worth noting I when the second half started
0: I kind of had the sense that maybe Robert had had like a half-time team talk where he did on one of those look you know we've lost the first half Let's just put it to bed. Let's come out and play the game. Because the start of the second half was probably Spurs' strongest period. And they did seem to sort of come out with that new energy of, okay, we can make things happen. And then just really quickly, all of a sudden, it was just like, oh, no. There's another goal about sort of it was like 48 minutes. So it was like three minutes. But it was like if they literally come on. Because at the start of the first half, Spurs really didn't have the ball for you know, probably the first 10 minutes, hardly at all. And so it just felt slightly different in the second half, but then the goals came so thick and fast. And I do think that Jess would have been stronger defensively than Roz, because that is just something I think it, she's got in her wheelhouse. But yeah.
1: Yeah. So um, pretty quickly did you us that it was not going to get any better in that half. Um, and even though Spurs kept, attacking and getting forward and launching balls from outside the 18 yard box. Um, Lauren hemp grabbed a fourth on a rocket from the edge of our box. And uh, that happened after we failed to clear our lines and cities fifth and sixth both came from crosses in from cities left again. Uh, And their seventh came from across on their right for a change. And that was, yeah, just about that. Not, not much, not much more to say about about that. huh?
2: The only thing I would say is the one that came in from, um, from the other side was when Ash had switched sides. So it was against Shalina.
0: Although I would say that, I, I mean, I thought Ash was having a good game at the start and she was really doing good work on Chloe Kelly. <clears throat> but there was definitely, by the second half, you could tell she was dejected and there were moments where it was like she was walking back when You know, there were these and that was the thing is in the stadium, it really felt like you could see some of these goals coming. It wasn't those ones where you're like, oh, they got in. What a surprise is a goal. It was like it felt like there was so much foreshadowing in terms of players making mistakes and then not like having the energy to run back or somebody else. Just it just felt so obvious that these were about to be goals. And in the normal run of things, those things don't all happen. And in this one, they all were goals.
2: Yeah, I'm not saying Ash had the best game, but I just did think it was interesting that, 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 because I noticed as well that that one last one came from the different side, but it was Shalina playing at the fullback position there, which is not necessarily put the blame on Shalina, just to,
0: no, because she actually did a decent job. Like, you know, I haven't seen Shalina at fullback, but hey, maybe that's the answer.
1: Yeah. And I think it coming from the different side for me was also a reflection of, um, some of cities' like substitutes wanting to take a crack at it, who were playing on that side at that point. Um, some of the younger players who are also very good. And it's very unfair that City can just bring players like that off their bench, um, or at least, you know, I wish it was us, but, you know, different story. And I think that the depth, though, was a big part of it for me in this game. It felt like, you know, as we've mentioned a few times, especially even with our starting lineup, we didn't have the technical quality to possess the ball against City like we did against Bristol City. Um, and then when you have City able to bring on players like Castellanos and Park and Fowler, um, and meanwhile, our first two substitutes are Rosella Ian and Shalina Zdorsky, I think that just says all the difference. I think while we're talking about depth here, it's worth noting that we may have also lost Evelina to a minor injury during this game as um, she received physio attention before her substitution. We're going to be crossing our fingers. It was just precautionary. We also saw Becky Spencer go down for an extended period of time with what sure as hell looked to me like she may have broken or structurally damaged her finger. Uh, So that would also not be great for our depth. Anything else about those two little extra kicks while we were already down?
2: I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? How at the beginning of the season we were talking about how much better our depth was uh, this season and how we've got, you know, some actually some good players on the bench and then a few injuries two key players and that kind of disappears again which shows you I think again you know, where where we are in that kind of journey process um, but yeah if Becky's out and Evelina is out at the same time that Olga is out I think that's really going to do for us this season in terms of, I mean again fingers crossed coming at the right time when we get a break in the season but uh, we've still got a little bit of a difficult week coming up after the international break that we could really do without losing more players for Yeah, and with Becky
3: specifically, if she were to be out, I think that would be really just frustrating because she'd had a pretty strong start to the season. Um, And, you know, potentially this result could be a knock to her confidence, which we would hate to see. But our backup keeper, you know, Barbara, she's completely untested in the WSL. So I don't know how I would feel about her starting against um, I think we have Manchester United next that's pretty daunting you know I really I want to have Becky back between the sticks for that game so hopefully uh, she's going to be okay
0: yeah it's kind of a sink or swim isn't it if she starts that game I think Becky's a tough one isn't it because I was thinking back about what Robert was saying about her just being like elite level in terms of her ability to pass out and her on the ball strengths and she is but she's also not the greatest shot stopper and I think one of the problems is that this game we suddenly felt faced a team that was having good shots and we have had quite a lot of the possession in some of the other games and she hasn't had to make as many stops as she might otherwise have done and I it's that thing, isn't it? Like that you get these real strengths with Becky and you also get some of her, you know, let's not necessarily weaknesses, but she's definitely not top of the league in certain characteristics. And yeah, I mean, it wasn't her best game, but also it would be a real risk to have her not available. And, you know, Evelina, I just, this probably, she probably was perhaps our strongest player in this game, um, in a very weak team you know in a team that didn't do very well but just generally losing her would be a really massive kick I thought Angered had a decent job did a decent job in central midfield but she is still a slight step down from Evelina and definitely a step down from Olga and yeah, that would be really bad. So let's just let's just hope she's fine. Maybe she can miss Finland's game. They've already qualified at the top of their Nations League group. They don't need her. Yeah, poor Finland,
3: though, because they're missing Olga already.
1: <laughs> well, if there's ever a time to be missing two of your best players, it's definitely got to be once you've already qualified. So at least they have that going for them. So after the match, Valheim took the blame for the result. He said and I'm paraphrasing here. Um, If you look at the performance and what we want to do and how we should do it, I'm thinking the players sticking to the plan. The main thing is for me that we're not ready yet. We are what we are, and if we're going to compete against the best teams in the league, we have a way to go. They tried to do it for 99 minutes today, attacking until the last minute, and we will learn from this. The players are doing exactly what I'm expecting of them so the result is on me today I have to admit I have a lot of respect for this personally I think going on the attack is admirable and what we should be trying to do and I kind of love that he said it because watching the game that's kind of how it felt to me um but what do you guys think
2: yeah I think it was the right thing for him to say and he also apologized for the seven goals and said that's not acceptable um which I think is absolutely true um if we are anywhere near where we want to be, seven goals is is not acceptable. Um I've been saying for several seasons now, keeping that deficit down to two is the first step and we've gone backwards in that, I think, in some games. Um you are going to, you know, with both the men's and the women's team we've seen change the system and an attacking style of play. And if you commit to that, you're going to ship some goals. But if you're if you're serious about meeting that gap, um seven goals is too many. And I think uh I think Robert has had a wake-up call with this game, I really do, because I think with the Chelsea game, the way it panned out, it didn't look like there was a big gap between us and Chelsea. In this game, it looked like there was a big gap between us and Manchester City. And yes, that is down to some injuries, but we're only talking a couple of injuries. You know, we're talking Beth, we're talking Drew, we're talking Olga really being serious injuries. Um, And without those three players, we struggled. So... I think it's. I think he has to sit up and take notice now, and I think he. I think he will, and I think there's already been talk, and we'll come to that about what's happening in January. So things are going to change, but um, I think. I think probably for Robert, it was as much of a uh, you know a wake up call as anything else.
3: Yeah, he had kind of set expectations around this match, you know, beforehand, saying that it was going to be a good indicator of where we were at, and. I think for him the challenge after this match is gonna be ensuring that morale does not dip too low. Cause we know that was a huge issue last season that we we really never recovered from, even when Beth England came in and, you know, started turning some of the results around. It still felt like across the team, you know, the performances were just not where we where you would expect them to be for, you know, those players just because of kind of mentality issues, I suppose. Um, but I think even he will be kind of surprised by just how lopsided the score line was because we've seen, you know, in these cup games when we've rotated, it's not that we don't have players, you know, all across the squad that they can play the tactics that he's trying to implement. Like we know they're capable of it. So for me, it was more of a mindset issue in this game. And I think that's the thing that's probably gonna be the most concerning to him even more than, you know, these kind of ongoing injury issues that obviously put us at a disadvantage, but it still feels like we should not have been that poor on the day.
0: I think I feel weirdly sanguine, not because it was fun. It was like not at all fun and we were shambolic and it felt like there were lots of places where we didn't know what we were doing. But we still actually passed the ball more than we did in any of the games that we played against City last year where we lost by lower margins. There were still more shots on target than we had in many of those games where, again, we lost by lower margins and City didn't have a lot more shots. They were a lot more incisive with their shots. And I could see what he was trying to do. And quite honestly, goal difference in the league if we're not anywhere near to qualifying for the Champions League and we're not near relegation is going to be utterly trivial and so I kind of don't care that deeply that we lost seven and not by five or four which we could easily have done you know the difference is just get on the pole and everything goes in and City were you know quite ruthless And we'd seen them being pretty ruthless against Manchester United the week before. And Manchester United clearly have a stronger squad than we do. So I guess it's, and I think as you've all said, the fact that he's learned from this, the fact that there is ammunition when he goes to the Tottenham board and says, I need to buy players or we need to get rid of some players. Maybe that's a good thing. Um, You know, we, yeah. So I'm... It's not good, and the confidence dip is the big issue. And with the other two games we've got coming up, it's going to be a struggle. But I also think, in the long run, it might be really informative and quite useful. And I don't think it's changed my opinion about his coaching style or where we're going, especially.
1: Yeah, I think the main thing for me is I have a lot more time for a disastrous loss under a new manager who is still implementing his system. And when the system is radically different from the one we were playing before and he doesn't necessarily have all the players he would need to do it, I have a lot more time for that rather than... Uh, losing really badly to some of these teams last year when we had a coach who had been in place for two seasons who had exactly the players she wanted. And like, you just couldn't see, like we didn't understand why things were happening last year. Whereas like for this game, I feel like we have a pretty good understanding of why they were happening. And I think another thing that gives me hope going forward, although like, look, I'm going to be honest. I'm really like afraid to be optimistic like this on the pod given how optimistic I was last year and like look what happened but I'm gonna do it anyway um he mentioned in his post-game interview that 1v1 one, one one defending was something that he wanted to work on specifically going forward and I think that's spot on because a lot of the problem was like literally specifically we were not defending them one-on-one I think that's a great call out and I think like I think he's hanging his hat on the important things there um, of like, you know, keeping attacking, like sticking to the plan, like stringing together some nice moves. Like, yeah, I think we started panicking and shooting too soon when like if we'd been a little more patient, we might have had better attacks. But like, it's clear to me that there is like definitely stuff to work on here. And like, I don't I didn't like it at all. But I still, like, feel kind of okay about it as well, I think.
0: Just in terms of things to work on, in terms of our attack, beating, like, beating the offside trap definitely is up there. We were getting called offside so many times. It was, And you could tell, I think it's also, you know, Martha was getting tired and was getting frustrated. But that was really annoying.
1: Yeah, and just fitness in a multi-game week and depth as well. I kind of remember thinking in like the 30th minute or something like, oh boy, look at us pressing like that. We're going to get real tired pretty soon. And I kind of think like, yeah, I kind of think that did happen like much more so than any actual like dropping of the heads. Like I think there was just like tiredness all over the pitch because we were trying really, really hard. All right. Any final bits to exercise about this game before we talk about what's coming next? Well,
3: I think to me, like the body language of the players did upset me just a little bit. Um, just because I felt like we were just our own worst enemy in this game, you know, even more so than obviously coming up against the superior side. It felt like we kind of beat ourselves Um, cause we weren't, we just weren't doing some of the basics really. It felt like, um, like, obviously we know that our kind of weaknesses are are very obvious after, you know, this game, like we can't win aerial duels. That's a big problem, but sometimes we can ameliorate that by having better positioning. Like I think Luana is a player in particular who usually is really good about that. Um, and that just was not present in this game at all. Um, but I think just it was, it was frustrating to see some of the players just not, not putting in the same effort that we've been used to seeing them do all season. So that might be overly negative, but I have to speak my truth.
2: (laughs) No, I mean, I think it's fair. And that is the problem with seven nil, isn't it? It's, it's a lot of goals. Um, And I think once you move on from maybe three nil down, it kind of starts to feel like you're being overrun and, um, and you try and do things, and they're not working. And so, you know, um, I, I do. You know, the the mind side of it is really important, and we've seen that again and again um, in teams. And it is, we, you know, it's that start of that difficult run again. And we our our last really bad season start started with a a really difficult run in of games, and now we've got that again. We've got a really difficult run in of games at a time when we've got injuries and and all sorts going on so we need to find a way of bringing it back up before the before the Christmas break because otherwise it just mulls around does not it
3: and I think that's kind of where I wanted to see the subs happen earlier just just because I felt like some of those players weren't weren't going to benefit from staying out on the pitch continuing to struggle continuing to feel that knock to their confidence I felt like it would have been Preferable to at least get some some fresh legs in there and give someone else a chance. So that that was my biggest frustration with the game overall was just the,
2: um, I guess the end game management. So, I mean, I think one good thing we've seen today from, uh, is despite Asmuth's difficult game, she's now had a call up to the unders um, for England, which is good news um for her and I, I think at the right time to be, um, boosting her morale a little bit. So hopefully that will help. Um, but we won't see.
0: I was also going to just say the thing about mood as well is in some ways the substitutes didn't resolve it though I think Kit came on with quite a lot of energy and Roz did to start with but Jess came on and she seemed kind of flat and deflated she was not making some of the runs that she sometimes makes and maybe was just slightly in awe of the team so she seemed to be underconfident whereas she's you know a player who is you know she is a confidence player and when she's on form she is just feeling like she can beat everyone and that was a little bit disappointing and I worry for her that she's put in that kind of performance in this game a little bit although she's also in the under 23 squad and you know last time she scored a goal so hopefully again she can go and do some confidence boosting with them
1: yeah so We've got a nice long international break to um, to all stew about this. Uh, and then coming up after that, we've got United next, uh, which is not ideal, especially now considering we have Arsenal after that. Um, so, yeah, looking ahead those two weeks, what kind of response are you hoping to see in that game?
2: Well, it's going to be at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, so um, there's going to be plenty of... Uh, no, it's not, is it, the Man United game? That's because they, it's, the Arsenal game will be, but the Man United game is clashing with uh, the Newcastle game. Uh, so, um, I mean, I think I just want them to come out fighting. That's what I want to see is, you know, come out with their heads held high and a belief that they can get a result because Manchester United haven't had, um, a, you know, the best start to the season. They have had difficulties with some of the players that have left and there is an opportunity there for us if we want to take it, I think. So we need to come out with heads held high and, and take the game to them and um, and remember, you know, what we can do from that first half season. Hopefully, Drew will be back. She's got a little bit of extra time to do that. Hopefully, Evelina will still be playing and Becky will still be playing and... um. Robert will have had a little bit more time to think on the players and see a little bit more of those second string players from both those City games. uh, And, you know, a little bit more knowledge and therefore power. Uh, I just
3: want to see, I guess, a, a commitment to the playing style, kind of like Robert has talked about. We have to kind of stay on the path and keep working at it, even though obviously this City game was a setback um i just want to see a continued you know progression and i i think we have seen that it, with the exception of the last game obviously it does feel like you know the players are becoming more familiar with the tactics game by game so just you kind of just have to forget that last result like there's there's no way to kind of sugarcoat it and find a positive spin on it just put
0: it behind you and move on i was just thinking as well about whether or not Grace Clinton will be eligible to play in that game and I started off thinking about it because I was thinking about whether or not if she was going with the England squad and so he was going to have less time with her maybe it would be better if she was not playing anyway as number 10 because I feel like there needs to be some work on the midfield especially but she may actually not even be playing so you know, I would be interested in what we look like in that context, and solving that number ten problem a different way will be interesting. Whether that is Martha dropping deep, and yeah, you know, doesn't sound like Ellie Brazil is going to be back, but she maybe could be back and play up top. Or yeah, obviously, Jess and Roz are not perfect solutions for playing there, or whether we solve it with Kit coming in uh, ahead with Martha ahead of her and. Yeah, again, it'll be interesting to see who goes on the wing. So I think that we might see a little bit of a change if that is the case. And this was the thing I was saying that I don't like about loans at the start of the season is they do mean that it disrupts your team because you can't play. So we saw last last year, Hansen did not play against Manchester United for Aston Villa. So I'm pretty sure that they are a club that puts it in the contract. And so we are not going to see her. Mm.
1: Of course they would do that. <laughs> Why make anything easy for us? Um But no, I am I think I am uh looking I, I would be interested as well to see new solutions there. And I I do like I do wanna see us move forward in the name of, of progress and hopefully see some of these players with minor injuries coming back. And I almost I almost don't wanna make you guys do score predictions like in the name of like you know what we wanna see is is you know progress on the pitch and like build, continuing to to build our style of play and our identity um however, uh we're gonna do them anyway, so <laughs> hit me with them Give me your best score prediction first spurs versus united
0: okay i'm gonna i'm gonna be optimistic but also don't think we're going to solve our defensive problems. So how about two all? I,
3: I would be happy with a scoreless draw at this point. <laughs> I guess that's my
2: prediction. I mean, to be fair at this point, I'm happy if we keep that deficit down. Um, I feel like a broken record. Um, but um, I'm going to go United 2-1. Yeah, I
1: think that's where I'm at as well. I keep the deficit down. I think I think I'd be happy with two one. Of course, now that I've said that, it's going to be like one of those situations where it's one all until the ninetieth minute, and then something horrible happens. Um, but ugh.
2: so long as it's not I, Rachel Williams, so long as Oh my not-
1: gosh! Oh no! I hadn't even considered that. See, <laughs> it's, it's just gone. impossible
3: to to look forward to this fixture in any way, shape, or form. Like it's just always like torture watching. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, because either
0: it's going to be like, you know, Rachel Williams, who we love, or it's going to be an ex Arsenal player in Nikita Paris. So, you know, which doubles the bad. So many ways for it to be bad. And
3: I don't like to see Mark Skinner happy for various reasons. So that's always frustrating.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And their their fans have just historically been horrible to us and to our players. And I don't want to see them happy either. Yeah, it's
3: not gotten any better with having one of their players on loan either.
1: <laughs> oh, God, no. So after United and Arsenal, it's basically already the January transfer window, which, considering our depth issues, cannot come soon enough for me. Um, and we've actually started getting rumors about that already. Um, Willem said in a press conference that he absolutely expects to make some signing to strengthen the team in the January window. And Emma Sanders reported, we're apparently in for an Australian player called Charlie Grant um, and an unnamed Swedish player, I believe. So that sounds about right for uh, what our transfer business has looked like so far under him. Uh, What do you all think?
2: Uh, I'm hearing even more positive stuff in the realms of potentially two pre-contracts already signed. Um, Charlie Grant being definitely somebody I've heard a couple of people saying that we're interested in her. So I'm saying even that we're quite close with her. Um, and then another Swedish, young Swedish player, apparently. So the sounds are all good. And these have been things that have been happening even before this result. So um, it does sound like there's definitely investment happening. And, and I've been hearing from um, people who've been having meetings with people at the club that they are intending on strengthening in January. So fingers crossed, everything is looking good for that. Obviously, um, it depends on who they get. But And the other issue being, if we're going to get some players in, we're likely to lose some players because, you know, squad sizes aren't that big in the WSL. So that's an interesting call as well. And again, depending who comes in, we'll make a will will affect who goes out. So I do think it's going to be a really interesting um, winter break for us.
0: Yeah, I think, Charlie Grant would fill an obvious gap. She's a left backslash right back um she's played in other positions as well. I actually saw her play for Australia when Australia beat England at Brentford, and she scored one of the goals. She was very good in that game. She's everyone I know who knows stuff about her, so she's nice and you know so she fits the club i you know I have my qualms about us turning into Arsenal Mark II by getting loads of Swedes and Australians, but I guess we can get two. <laughs> I just if we get more than that, it might start being the blondification of spurs, and that might be a place to stop. Otherwise, I think the question, the really interesting questions are about how ruthless Robert Villaham is willing to be, and whether that's just around, you know, there's some really obvious people like Grace Pierce, who isn't getting minutes, didn't look very confident. Um I can't see her breaking her way into the squad anytime soon. Then there's a bunch of other players who have had a few minutes. Um, Ramona Petzlberger, obviously not very many, but we've got players like Jess and Roz, who and you know, potentially even Rhea and Kit, all who have, you know, more or less time to run on their contracts. And whether or not we see some of those leaving. Eleanor Heaps is obviously the third choice goalkeeper as well and whether halfway through the season he's feeling confident enough that he only needs two keepers for the rest of the season um you know there's a whole bunch of things that are going to be interesting to see which way he goes on um
2: yeah Eleanor Heaps is out on loan at the moment so that will uh, (laughs) work good memory (laughs) (laughs) Ignore <laughs> you know that one, then. Yes. I don't know why I forgot that. <laughs> it was quite a last, last, because we were talking about her at the beginning of the season and then um, quite last minute she got alone. So um, she's not currently with us. Awesome.
0: Well, Wow. That's one person that like, he can't get rid of, he can't send out. So yeah.
3: <laughs> well, if we do sign Charlie Grant, which it looks like we're going to, we're never going to hear the end of it from Arsenal fans because they seem convinced that they're signing her. Uh, so that's going to be really annoying to deal with. But it's, uh, it's my understanding that she's left footed, right? So, I mean, great signing if we can get it done, I think. Um, But I agree, it would be nice for us to diversify our recruitment pool, not just in terms of hair color, but just leagues, you know, it's, it's, I don't want us to be only uh, recruiting from the Swedish league, you know, even though there are undoubtedly lots of, you know, untapped potential to be found in that league. Um but yeah there's there's other sources. So hopefully we're gonna keep a cast a wide net.
1: Caroline's like, seconds away from from getting out her NWSL drum again and start to bang it on air. So
2: I mean I guess though at this point this is the time to be getting from the Swedish league because the manager we've got will know that league inside out right now. We'll know the players who are capable of more from that league, so that's kind of, you know, we um when we got um play, you know Shalina in part of the reason was that was because our our football manager uh, our general manager at that point knew the uh, the club that she came from and we had a couple coming from there, so that's kind of how it works at least to begin with. So you're going to expect a little bit of that. It doesn't mean it's going to happen forever, but if we can find those, because at, at the moment it's finding the players, isn't it, who people don't know about so that you can get them for the right, because we're not going to be able to splash out a lot of money. Um, And also with rumours that we are in for Grace Clinton, you know, at the end of the season, that's going to cost us a bit of money if we do want to go for that. So if we're wanting to find hidden gems, that's going to be great for us. And I'm willing to take them from wherever they come from. If they fit in like Olga's fit in, I don't mind.
3: I'm not going to like actively beat the NWSL drum in this episode, even though I want to, but I will let listeners know that if they would like to see a nice little cheat sheet of some free agents who are available from that league, please check out my newsletter because I I did do some research.
0: Come on, tell us your like top, top two. I know you had five in that one, but like top two.
3: Well, it's it's changed a little because of the Charlie Grant, um, you know, filling in that left back spot. Like, maybe that's not the priority now. Um, there was, though, I was thinking about there's a player named Natalia Quica She's Finnish. So, you know, a job for Agent Tenney to take care of. Um, she's pretty good in the air. So <laughs> that would solve a major problem for us. So she's someone that I really like. Um And then, yeah, a lot of the ones I was looking at were kind of like for that left back or right back spot. Um, I think in terms of like a reach, Emily Sonnet would be amazing, but I feel like she's going to be difficult to get. So.
0: Yeah, she was good. I, you know, I was not following the U.S. national team closely in the World Cup, but she was very good in the World Cup.
2: And then there's
3: players who who feel like they would be impossible to get kind of like your crystal dunes. Rose Lavelle, you know, it's, I can't dream that much. I don't think.
1: <laughs> so yeah, stay tuned here for more transfer rumors. as January approaches. We'll just finish off today's um, episode with a little quick WSL roundup. It was not a great week to be a mid to lower table team in the WSL. Arsenal beat West Ham three, nothing Chelsea defeated Leicester five, two, United beat Bristol 2-0. And then we also saw Liverpool put four past Brighton and Everton snuck a win over Aston Villa. Anything to note from these games?
3: I think just that Aston Villa's problems could be more serious than we first thought. Um, Because I I did watch most of that game and they just looked pretty pretty lackluster for most of it. So Carla Ward has a serious job ahead of her this season.
0: Yeah, I guess I was also looking at the bottom and the sort of mid table and how what their games are going to be looking like over the next few weeks, given that we have very tricky games. And I think that a lot of our immediate competitors also have one or two tricky games, because obviously that's how it is in the WSL. So we are unlikely to change our position very much by January, although we might go down a couple of places. Um, But yeah, I think it's interesting that, I guess, not just that Aston Villa haven't overcome all their problems, but also that Everton maybe don't have as serious problems as we potentially thought they might have done. And, you know, they look decent against us, just find it hard to score from open play, which they continue to do, because I think they managed to score an own goal and a penalty. So they continue not to score goals from open play and yet they managed to
1: win. It's funny how quickly things change, right? Because just three game weeks ago, it really felt to me like any team could beat any other team a little bit. Like some of the top teams were still struggling and, um, you know, some of last year's mid and lower table were really excelling. And now suddenly we have this one week of very dominant results from the top sides. Meanwhile, like we're out here, like beating an albeit weakened um Bristol side at midweek and then losing seven nothing to city. It just really makes me feel like the gap is still as wide as it always was. just not the brightest note to end this pot on. I can't think it well, this isn't bright
3: either, but I <laughs> I was just looking back at Leicester's results, and there has only been one game where they have not scored and that feels pretty significant to me because i feel like last year they really were not scoring much at all so
0: yeah i mean in some ways they and us are on quite similar paths although they probably started from a lower point but started earlier um similar kinds of transitions and tran- you know in terms of scoring a lot more goals versus not obviously we managed to not score any goals in the last game but up until that had scored quite a lot
1: um yeah, I guess on that note, amongst teams who were kind of in that group with us in Leicester last year, I am looking at the Brighton Liverpool result. I I have to admit, like I won't I won't say I'm surprised by it because I I don't think it's quite that. But like Liverpool have been doing well this season, and mm-hmm. Brighton have been sort of on again off again. But I assumed um, when they hired Melissa Phillips, I was so certain that that we had missed the trick in that. Brighton were, like, destined for fifth or sixth place next year. Um, And they've been, yeah, they've been kind of stopping and starting, whereas Liverpool have kind of quietly continued this smart upward trajectory. And I guess that kind of caught my eye in this week's result, even though I didn't really watch that game. But, yeah, much to think about. Well, that's all for today, folks. This has been Abby with N17 Women. You can find us all in the usual places on the app formerly known as Twitter and all of its potential replacements. And we'll chat in a few weeks after this international break. Come on, you Spurs.